Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from John's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you remain in my word, you are really my disciples. You will also know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are Abraham's descendants, they answered, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say you will be set free? Jesus answered, Amen, amen, I tell you, everyone who keeps committing sin is a slave to sin. But a slave does not remain in the family forever. A son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, the Son who sets us free. If your mailbox looks anything like mine these days, it's absolutely stuffed with various political mailers and flyers. And on many of them, it seems like the candidate is promising you some measure of freedom in exchange for your vote. And I don't think that's an accident that, that candidates from both political parties would, would promise freedom in exchange for your vote. Our, our country was founded largely on that principle of freedom and liberty. Freedom and liberty that we still enjoy to a large extent today. We will exercise our freedom to vote in nine days. Or maybe you've already early voted. We have freedom of speech where in our country you can say just about anything you want to at any time without worrying about being censored or shut up for it. Although as, as Christians we use that freedom very carefully only to build others up and to give glory to God with our tongues. We have freedom of the press. You can flip on MSNBC or Fox News. You can read the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. You can read all of them. You can watch all of them. You can watch none of them, whatever your choice, depending on how much you value your sanity these days. We have all sorts of different freedoms, and probably the most important one that we treasure as Christians is the freedom of religion, the freedom that the Constitution guarantees that we can gather here to confess Christ Jesus. Unlike, unlike thousands and probably millions of Christians around the world, we do not and should not have to worry that the government will ever shut us down or prevent us from proclaiming the gospel. We have many freedoms, and it is worthwhile for us to remember that those freedoms were not free, that they came at great cost. But today we're not thinking about the civic freedoms we have, but rather the most important freedom we possess a freedom which isn't guaranteed by the Constitution, but is purchased and won for us by one person, by Jesus. Now, you probably know that some, if not many, Americans take their freedoms for granted. They forget that they came at a steep price of the blood of many Americans who have gone before us and is preserved by those Americans who fight in our armed services to maintain those freedoms, they take those freedoms for granted. And sadly, many Christians take the freedom that they have in Christ for granted too. And that's because 
you can't really appreciate what it means to be free unless you understand what it means to be the opposite, to be a slave. The first part of John chapter 8 provides a prime example of what it means to be a slave. Jesus was teaching in the temple courts and the Pharisees and the experts in the law dragged a woman who had been caught red-handed in the sin of adultery before him, testing him, seeing if he would agree with them that they should follow the law of Moses and stone this woman to death for her sin of adultery. Now maybe you remember that story in John 8. Jesus said to them, let whoever is without sin be the first to throw a stone at this woman. And then he bent down and he was drawing in the dirt on the ground. And one by one, those Pharisees and teachers in the law walked away. And Jesus set this woman free. She knew what it meant to be a slave. She had been enslaved by the cords of lust. She had probably ended up ruining a household or many households by her adulterous actions. And at that moment when she was brought before Jesus, surrounded by these Pharisees and teachers of the law, these vengeful men who wanted her dead, she, she knew what it was like to be a slave to sin and she could see that she deserved death. But Jesus set her free. The Galatians in our second lesson also knew what it meant to be enslaved. Many of them were literal slaves, which was a sad reality in the Roman Empire at the time. Most of them, if not all of them, knew what it meant to be enslaved to idols. The devil had led them, had tempted them, had confused them into worshiping idols made out of brick and stone and silver and gold. And false teachers had wormed their way into the Galatian church and were trying to enslave them once again to the Old Testament law of Moses. They knew what it meant to be a slave. But before you waste too much time pitying that woman or these Christians in Galatia, just remember what Jesus said, this axiom that he declared. He said, Amen, amen, I tell you, everyone who keeps committing sin is a slave to sin. If you sin, you are a slave to sin. And sometimes this slavery is pretty easy to spot. If you have ever been acquainted with an addict to anything. You know that they will beg, borrow, and steal to maintain their addiction. You can palpably sense the chains that that addiction has placed on them, right? A man who is guilty of an, having an affair, he will, he will spend countless time and energy and creativity to to keep that hidden from his family and friends. And, and that man feels the weight of that slavery, of trying to keep his sin covered up. Pastors and elders can often hear the rattle of the chains of sin when we reach out to those who have not been worshiping in months or maybe years. And we hear the rattle of those chains come out in their excuses. I'm, I'm just too busy, Pastor. I... I need to be working. I need to be able to work on Sunday mornings to put food on the table. Pastor, it's, it's my kids and their sports. I need to get them into a good high school, a good college, the best programs, 
And, and a lot of that takes place on Sunday mornings. Or Sunday morning's the only day I get off, the only morning I can sleep in. Or whatever the excuse is, understand that when a pastor or an elder hears it, it's the rattle of the chains of slavery. Because apart from the gospel, that's all that there is. But other times it's harder to spot, and I think it's probably most difficult to spot in our own lives. And that's where the law comes in. God has given us the law to show us that we are enslaved by sin. As painful as it is, it's an exercise we need to go through regularly. We need to look into the mirror of the law and to see what we truly are apart, apart from Christ. So pick a commandment, any commandment. Fourth commandment. Certainly we probably honor and respect our elected leaders, those that the church has called to lead us, our parents, our employers, to their face. But how many of us wouldn't have to blush with shame if our personal thoughts or our private conversations were made public? The words that we've spoken about elected leaders, the thoughts we've had about those called in the church, our parents, or our employers. You feel the rattle of the chains of sin according to the fourth commandment? The fifth commandment, maybe we've never pointed a gun at anyone in anger, but it's far more difficult to keep our fingers off of the trigger of hatred in our hearts. I don't know how many of us struggle to keep ourselves out of our neighbors' bedrooms and out of their beds, but keeping our eyes under control, keeping lust out of our hearts, that's not an easy thing for any of us to do. Keeping control of our tongues. I don't think any of us have probably had the opportunity to commit perjury in a courtroom, but betraying our neighbor, telling lies about him, and failing to defend him. Can we even count how many times we've allowed the Eighth Commandment to become broken by our tongues? Maybe you've never stolen anything from anyone, but have you wanted to? Have you desired something that God has not given to you, something He doesn't want you to have? Do you feel the weight of slavery to sin? Do you feel the chains in your own life? Do you feel weighed down by it? Does your conscience bother you? Does the guilt keep you up at night? That is what slavery looks like. That's what it feels like. And that's how we were, according to the law. And we don't like that feeling, do we? I don't think anyone likes having a guilty conscience. No one likes feeling weighed down with guilt. No one wants to lay awake at night feeling ashamed of the things that they have thought and said and done. And so we try to escape that slavery on our own. And generally, if you're trying to escape slavery of sin on your own, you'll do it in one of two ways. You'll either uh, deny it, or you will try to work your way out of it. The, the Galatians were trying to work their way out of their slavery. They were falling for the lie that says that you can free yourself if you just obey the laws of Moses. If you just have yourself circumcised. If you just don't do any work on the Sabbath day. If you just refrain from eating bacon for breakfast and a pork chop for supper, then you can free yourself. But what they were actually doing is submitting once again to the slavery of the law. They were 
merely exchanging one form of slavery, slavery to sin, to slavery to the law. And Paul couldn't believe it. Paul couldn't believe how foolish they would be to exchange their freedom for slavery. He says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another gospel at all. Exchanging slavery to sin for the slavery of the law, trying to work your way out of your slavery, is just more slavery. Martin Luther tried that same route about 1,500 years later. He left a pretty promising career in the law to become a monk. He disavowed all of his earthly possessions. He slept on a cold stone floor. He enumerated, he numbered and confessed his sins each and every day, seven days a week. He, he prayed seven times each day. He tortured himself. He would fast for, for days on end, trying to work his way out of his slavery to sin, trying to, to calm his guilty conscience to get rid of his shame. And he wrote about his experience. He wrote this. He said, I saw many who tried with great effort and the best of intentions to do everything possible to appease their conscience. They wore hair shirts. They fasted. They prayed. They tormented and wore out their bodies so severely that if they had been made of iron, they would have been crushed. And yet the more they labored, the greater their terrors became. Especially when the hour of death was imminent, They became so fearful that I have seen many murderers facing execution die more confidently than these men who had lived such saintly lives. Attempting to work your way out of your slavery will not work. It's just exchanging one slavery, slavery to sin, for another type of slavery, slavery to the law. And if we could talk to anyone who's actually been a literal slave, they would be able to tell us You can't work yourself out of your slavery. Slavery never leads to freedom. So, the second option then. Deny, 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 right? That's the the political option today. Deny that you said anything. Deny that you did this or, or said that. And that's what the Jews that Jesus was talking to were guilty of. They were in denial. The history of Israel, if you know it at all, was a history of slavery. Egypt for over 400 years, Babylon for 70 years. Now the Jews were subject to the Roman Empire. Their entire history was one of slavery, and yet they have the gall to look at Jesus in the eye and tell him, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say you will be set free? They were in denial. They thought because they were, sl- they were children of Abraham, because they had the right blood flowing through their veins, that they were good with God. Unfortunately, they forgot that one detail about how their forefathers wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and an entire generation died in that wilderness. It doesn't ma- matter who you're related to. That doesn't free you from your slavery. And that's an important thing for us to remember today as we celebrate the Lutheran Reformation. It's easy and it's tempting for us to believe that since we are children of Luther and because we are members of the Wisconsin Synod, that's the good kind of Luther, not the one that has tossed the Bible away, that we're good with God by virtue of our pedigree. Luther would turn over in his grave if he ever heard of a Lutheran 
thinking that they will be saved because they are Lutherans. Martin Luther didn't die to save anyone. He did not defeat death and the devil. But if we imagine that we are saved merely because of the denominational label we hold, we are deceiving ourselves. We are the ones in denial. That's why this is not some sort of pep rally. This is not a place, Reformation Day, where we pat each other on the back for being good Lutherans. This is rather a time when we go back to those basics of sin and grace, where we confess that we deserve nothing but God's punishment, just as we did before, right? We confessed, I am a poor, miserable sinner, guilty of every sin. That is where our Reformation celebration can start, because only when we recognize our slavery will we appreciate the freedom that we have in Christ. Because our freedom comes from only one place. It doesn't come from our obedience. It doesn't come from calling ourselves Lutheran. It comes from Jesus. He says, if you remain in my word and you are, you are really my disciples, you will also know the truth and the truth will set you free. A slave does not remain in the family forever. A son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. That's what Luther wanted to focus on. That's what he would want us to focus on today is the son. The son who can set us free. But the way Jesus set us free was rather unorthodox and unexpected, wasn't it? He gave up his freedom to give us ours. He left his majestic throne in heaven to take up residence on this earth as a servant. He became a slave to the law in our place because we could never keep the law. The one who created everything allowed himself to be tortured and crucified by wicked men. The author of life, as Acts says, the one who created every single life, including yours and mine, he died on that cross. The one who fills the heavens and the earth that cannot be contained by this universe was sealed in a cold stone tomb. But it didn't end there. Jesus broke out of that tomb. That's why he can be, or that's why he can set us free. Why he can be our liberator and our savior. Because he broke through the, the shackles of sin. Because he broke down the bars of death. Now he can set us free. That's the truth of the Reformation. That's why we hold to sola gratia and sola fide and sola scriptura. Because only through them, only through the word, only through the truth of Christ crucified for sinners do we have true freedom. And that is freedom that you possess right now. Those sins that we went through, those commandments that we went through before, you're free from them. God doesn't see them on your record at all anymore. Don't feel guilty over them. Don't let your conscience be weighed down by anything you've done in the past because Jesus has set you free. All of us are getting older Every day. Some of us feel death closer than we ever have before. But you don't have to be afraid of it because you are free. Death is not the end. Death is the beginning of your true eternal life. You're free. 
we might be afraid as Americans, as we see the state of our country today, that some of those civic freedoms that we really do treasure, especially the freedom of religion, especially the freedom of speech, especially the freedom to gather, they may be taken away from us. There's no guarantee. The only thing standing away from, standing between having us having those freedoms and us not having the freedom to gather here or us not being able to broadcast a service because something that is Christian will be declared illegal, the only thing standing in the way of that is a piece of paper called the Constitution. There's no guarantee that we will enjoy those freedoms forever. But this freedom that Christ has granted us, because it depends completely upon Him, will never be taken away from us. That's why we cling to sola scriptura. That's where we find our freedom. It's in the Word. And it's so comforting to know that Jesus ties freedom not to our Lutheran identity, not to our obedience, not to some foggy feeling I have in my heart, but to His Word. That means it is guaranteed. That means it is unchanging. It will be here long after we are gone. The Word will endure forever, and that is the Word that sets us free if you want to experience the freedom that you have, that Jesus died to win for you, be in the Word. Dig into it in Bible study. Listen to it. Read it whenever you can. Remember your baptism. Every morning you wake up, go ahead and look in the mirror and cross yourself and remember, you are a child of Christ. You have been made a son by the Son of God. Receive the sacrament as frequently as you possibly can because there you taste the true freedom that Jesus died to win for you. We Americans are proud of our freedoms that we have. And, and rightfully so. We should be. And we shouldn't forget that they came at a price. Many Americans had to die to win those freedoms for us. And don't forget to thank God for the freedoms that we have constitutionally guaranteed to us. But today, it's more important that we thank God for the freedom that we have in Jesus. Freedom from sin. Freedom from death. Freedom from the devil. None of them can control us anymore. That's freedom that will last. That's freedom that no one can take away from you. Like Martin Luther, in this freedom, we stand. Amen.